so people didn't really believe that this could be a sustainable business model where you get kids that uh, really like to learn these subjects and teach them further advanced material people just didn't think it would it would it would be possible to make make itself sustainable uh, but we managed to do this because we trusted our our market Welcome to The Founder's Couch, a show about Stanford and MIT student entrepreneurs. This is WNBR Cambridge, 88.1 FM, wnbr.org. I'm your host, Chelsea Watanabe. So many university students have created something, yet most of us do not know about these incredible endeavors. Founder's Couch hopes to shed a light on these journeys, stories, lessons, and provide a platform where others interested in entrepreneurship can listen in and be inspired. For this episode, we are back here at MIT, and I want to briefly introduce my guest, Clement Serafimov. Clement is currently a senior majoring in computer science. He's the founder of the School of the Future, which is a nationwide pilot educational program for STEM students in northern Macedonia. He started the school when he was just 19 years old, and over the years, his team has been able to reach almost 400 students through creating classes like advanced mathematics and informatics. He's got such an amazing vision, and I can't wait to hear more about Clemens' inspiration for this idea. So let's get him on the couch. All right, Clement, welcome, and thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. So how's everything been this semester so far? It's uh, actually really re relaxing. I'm taking full advantage of senior year. I'm taking like three classes, two art classes, and one independent study. Wow, that and sounds like a really nice semester. <laughs> I have a lot of free time, and I'm spending it on my independent study, so it's, it's really enjoyable. You shared a bit about your story with me already, but I just wanted to start with asking, where are you from, and what's like your background? I'm from Macedonia, and currently it's called North Macedonia. I was born in a small town called Struga, and I lived with my family there for the first two years of my life. And then we moved to the capital, Skopje, my elementary school there. And then I did um, actually changed three high schools. So my first high school, I studied at a um, Turkish high school, which was like really focused on like um, on preparing students for competitions. The second high school was uh, called Maximilian Berlitz, which was like A-levels program so like according to the uh, UK system so that was my sophomore year and then for my junior and senior year I went to the United World College uh, in Italy and there I spent two great years uh, learning uh, the international baccalaureate diploma uh, with uh, students from all around the world so we were 200 students from 100 different countries uh, and that really gave me a balanced uh, and varied experience I would say after that, I came here at MIT because of my, my interest in algorithms. And here I've been doing uh, studying computer science, uh, largely focusing on application of algorithms to artificial intelligence. So it sounds like your experience in Italy was maybe your favorite in terms of your high school? Yeah, I would say so. Very impactful. In what way? It really changed my perspective about like, how the world is, uh, being exposed to so many uh, different um, cultures uh, represented by, by all of the students. Uh, but also it was uh, uh, the, 
the whole school was founded on this idea that education should be based on values. So we learned a lot about the sustainability, uh, multiculturalism, uh, the value of education in being a force for change in the world, uh, and similar topics. Also, uh, getting some inspiration from my previous high schools, I really saw that education is the way forward in making the world a better place. That's kind of what I got out of my education during high school. So where did this love for business and entrepreneurship begin for you? I would say um, when I was really young, I got a lot of exposure from my family. My grandparents were serial entrepreneurs. and <laughs> Serial? <laughs> so they were entrepreneurs starting in, in the time of Yugoslavia. They did, wow. They did everything from, you know, making small souvenirs and selling them to running a washing machine company to importing um, arcade games from Germany and setting up like an arcade in in their city um, and then and then they evolved to like uh, imp doing import export with China and now they manage real estate so hearing their stories seeing how they function seeing how they think about money how they think about their own productivity uh, really exposed me to to this mindset that oh you should own everything you work for rather than like selling it uh, for for a salary for example so I would say that's how it started uh, and then uh, how it manifested was I understood that uh, there was a real lack of entrepreneurial ability uh, in my country country uh, and I saw this by understanding that there, there's a lot of pessimism in the air uh, about like doing your own thing or trying something new and I felt that that uh, pessimism, pessimism was unjustified uh, mm -hmm. so I doubled down on pursuing entrepreneurship in my country. So what did your parents say when you told them I want to create you know something for education here? Uh, <laughs> so they initially they, they, they were against it they wanted me to just focus on my studies focus on my uh, development or, or on the development of my own education uh, kind of my co counter argument to that was that me trying to establish a school uh, is an educational experience in itself. Uh, it might be less structured than if I go to MIT, um, for example. But you know, I still have MIT uh, after I come back. Mm. They also uh, f felt that I shouldn't be the one teaching other kids um, mm. for some reason, and I think that's th that's just another argument of theirs to discourage me more. <laughs> um, but, but maybe, but maybe I was also young and and uh, kind of uh, like not m maybe still not well calibrated. A little naive, uh, a little. <laughs> yeah, a little naive, and they were scared. Um, you know, it's you know, parents just you, you can't really understand how they think sometimes when they're so worried uh, about their kids. I see, but they still did end up supporting you. I'm assuming, or yes, that's true. So my mom was always like, so once I decided to to start my entrepreneurial ventures. Uh, my mom was like uh, really there to help me uh, in transport, in connections, in giving me advice and encouragement. And it worked out at the end. So how did you come to create the school of the future? It, it came in stages, I would say. Um, the real um, story is building up uh, a, a stage by stage. So initially it was um, I, I started organizing excursions uh, during high school. Then I uh, organized uh, two summer camps. Uh, one in 2015, uh, one in 2016. And seeing the success of both the excursions and, and the summer camps, um, uh, I was convinced that uh, a school can happen, like a whole year 
a set of educational programs for preparing students for math programming and physics competitions. As I said, this, it was a four year long process of like me trying one thing, it succeeding, moving on to a bigger version of the same thing uh, up until it became the, the set of educational programs. How was your summer camp structured and how did you pull it together? So I knew that I wanted to get into education space uh, from the point of view of like education will be very important, uh, increasingly important in the future, much more so than it is now. Uh, So I really knew I wanted to get into the education space. And how I got about it was I I got together a team of uh, really talented young entrepreneurs. Uh, it was uh, me, uh, Anna Arsovska, initially, uh, who was the co-founder of the of the summer camp. And uh, both of us, uh, we knew many student leaders, uh, and we were in contact with uh, student organizations uh, around Macedonia. S- and we had also varied interests. So I did programming and and debate. She did debate. Uh, and uh, a lot of NGO NGO work, um, and both of us uh, put in a lot of our our characteristics together. So in the first summer camp, there were like five courses: uh, business and entrepreneurship, uh, programming, mathematics, um, debate, and politics. And um, there was one more. Uh, I think it was some form of arts related. And there will uh, we invited a lot of guest speakers over. We did a lot of workshops. But the most important aspect was the fact that it was an international summer camp. So I invited a lot of my friends from my uh, Italian high school, and they came. So so we had already at the very beginning an international summer camp um, in this interdisciplinary fields. And the success of that uh, motivated us to to go further. So the next year. Uh, I applied for the uh, Priscilla King Grace um, uh, grant uh, given by MIT. And uh, after being accepted, uh, it was the same. Uh, We pretty much knew the ropes. We knew which people to contact, uh, how to uh, set up the marketing, how to choose the participants and so on. Mm. Like a nice, uh, like an interesting anecdote is that we actually, for the second time, we rented a whole hotel. For wow. for all the all the students, uh, wow. that was on a mountain, and it was all wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> so were these two both hosted in Macedonia? Then yes, that's true. Amazing! Wow. So it was really helpful then to get funding from the PKG Center. Yes, yes, and uh, so this was the grants for the Davis Peace Project. It just happens also that I'm a Davis uh, scholar scholar because Davis also funds the United World Colleges. Um, so that was also like an interesting... Uh, it just came around. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it just came around. Interesting. Wow. So how did you connect with um, the, your other teammates for for this school? Mm, so with the co-founder, I actually knew the co-founder even before the, the summer camps. Uh, he was uh, one of the well-known math teachers in Macedonia. He was a master in geometry. And around the time we started the school, he even published a book on geometry called A Beautiful Journey Through Olympia Geometry. I would recommend it to h- anyone that's interested. <laughs> so I knew him personally because uh, I was in the competition culture of programming. He was in the competition culture of math. And we had a lot of mutual friends. And then the rest of the teachers were also into into the competition space. So uh, they were both uh, competitors uh, when they were uh, in high school and continued teaching. 
And because Macedonia is so small, uh, we all knew each other. I see. So there's a lot of word of mouth right. spreading of of things and you marketing it initially. Yes, that's true. So the first uh, market base was established through the n networking, through the summer camps, you know, because everyone heard, hey, uh, these, these are the people that are organizing summer camps for preparing students for math and programming Olympiads. And so we, we th th that was a great uh, start. Uh, and then using Facebook and also, you know, pretty much asking he people, hey, share to your friends uh, about us. The number of students kept growing uh, that we were teaching. I see. So like as you build credibility there. Yes, that's true. So look, here the credibility really came from uh, my co-founder's uh, aspect that he was already an established teacher in, in math. The other teachers who also had like many, many year experience teaching. And from my side, uh, you know, doing these entrepreneurship uh, ventures in education, the excursions and the summer camps, and then also doing a lot of the pr initial groundwork for uh, getting the ball rolling with the school. So that included uh, the, the marketing, uh, that, that was already easy, but, and also organization and coordination aspects. So pretty much organizing events uh, that uh, got people excited about uh, the creation of a, of a school like this. And the paperwork. So I established this as a official business, you know, registered in the Macedonian registry of businesses and so on. Awesome. So what exactly makes your school different from what's currently available in Macedonia? The school came out really from a lack of structure in how kids prepared for competitions, math, physics, and programming. Um, no school uh, in Macedonia does any form of, of this work. Uh, that we do, and we really filled in this gap. The reason why there was no one before us uh, in this space uh, was because uh, people didn't really believe that this could be a sustainable business model, where you get kids that uh, really like to uh, learn these subjects and teach them further advanced material. People just didn't think it would it would it would be possible to make make itself sustainable. Uh, but we managed to do this because we trusted our our market. We knew that our students not only really wanted to uh, to join our classes, but but some amount of them also could afford it. Uh, and we're also not even charging that much. Uh, we're charging like fifty dollars uh, for a month for something like eight to twelve classes, uh, which is really you know it's cheap for U.S. standards, of course. But uh, for Macedonian standards, it's also affordable for uh, like middle uh, income earning uh, students uh, or, or like parents. Um, and students that can't afford our classes, we give them f uh, need-based scholarships and with minimal paperwork. So just their parents need to ask us over email and give one or two sentence explanation. Hey, we're in, in a bad financial state right now or we have these big expenses that came up. Uh, could you give us a scholarship? And I don't think we have rejected actually a student so far because uh, we we would rather take pay cuts from our the teacher's salaries rather than reject a student that really wants to join our classes. Mm. So your business is actually self-sustaining and, and kind of growing still from just from revenues of student registration, it sounds like. Yes, that's true. Uh, it wasn't always like this. Um, I have to mention... Boyan Jovevsky, who was uh, uh, one of the funders of the school initially. Now, now it's great that uh, like we, we are self-sustaining now, but initially he helped us uh, fund the teacher's salaries 
so that uh, we can still give scholarships uh, and, and not reject any students. You've been listening to Founders Couch on WNBR Cambridge. I'm your host, Chelsea Watanabe, here today with Clement Serafimov, a student entrepreneur at MIT. So how do you keep your operations running at, at, at your school? And do you have your own building in Macedonia or? So we actually rent space. We are still in the same space where we started. Um, we applied for a uh, tender uh, gi- given out by one of uh, like a, an incubator in Macedonia who had like uh, classroom space available for free for the whoever won the tender. And uh, we got it. The tender was like uh, six months long, and then we had to start paying for the the place. But that wasn't a problem at, at that point. How I'm keeping up the operations going is pretty much the, my co-founders. So right now I'm focusing on graduating. I did the initial work setting up the, the, the school, and I took a semester off so that uh, we, uh, we get the ball rolling. And after I left, my co-founder... Uh, took over uh, the entire operation and uh, he grew the school to the size that it is now. So we started with maybe like 20 kids, now we are at 100 kids. And uh, my uh, work uh, includes pretty much just like, uh, just talking to my co-founder once in a while about like how things are going. And also I mentor two students in programming. One of the students, uh, actually he's organizing his own academies uh, so he's organizing um, uh, preparation camps for kids that are younger than him. Uh, and he gets great feedback, and that's what matters to us. So where do you envision this school going? Like, what are your hopes in the, f- in the next few years for this project that you have? So I would ideally turn it into an official high school. So far, it's uh, not like a licensed program, uh, pretty much. Uh, we are in the unofficial uh, space, uh, unofficial education space in Macedonia. Uh, ideally, it would we would license it, uh, and we would get more teachers on board to teach other subjects, uh, so that we make it a complete high school. Uh, and then, moving forward from there, uh, you know, expand uh, like the high school or bring in some new technology uh, that either I contribute to or, or we discover uh, here f- from abroad. The, the mission is, in a sense, to, uh, besides the, the actual setup of the school, be- besides the actual format, uh, the goal is for us to instill this, this culture of every student needs to uh, learn how to teach other students. First of all, that's the best way how to, how to learn. And also, that allows for um, a more, more even distribution of, of power in the education space. Uh, right now, education is very establishment-like, and we can only turn that around by having more students be able to teach each other um, over time. And that's that's one of the goals or, or missions that we have with the school. So a lot of your students then are really attending and participating in these extra classes, these supplemental classes that you offer for competitions, right? What kind of competitions are are, th- are they attending? So these are math, physics, and programming competitions. Uh, so the structure goes like, there are several levels of competition, regional, uh, national, um, and then the Olympiad, which is like the best, fr- the best kids from the national come together at the Olympiad. And then f- from the Olympiad, the best four students are chosen to represent the country at the International Science Olympiads. And 
uh, going to the participating at the International Science Olympiads is really important for a student because that's pretty much it's a recognition that hey not only you were the best at your country you also have the ability to show your strengths on a on a global stage so any student that that is in this uh, in this uh, system first of all they um, th th this provides a great friend group so you know kids that compete together also learn together um, at least that's what that's what we want to uh, to imagine uh, and also it's uh, also says the really good uh, ground base for further education so for example if you want to do engineering or you want to do math or, or programming in the future knowing this sort of uh, math and programming uh, really sets your uh, set you ahead of the curve once you enter university Th these are the sort of uh, motivations that students have to attend these competitions and we just tap into that structure and prepare the students for for these competitions that's great. So what's the next phase for you now after you graduate, since uh, you're graduating in June? Uh, so my goal is to do master's here. Um, but if that doesn't pan out, I'll probably uh, go back home and uh, establish a high school. And then work on like expanding the high school with uh, technology or uh, other form of, uh, of uh, new social models uh, for education that we might find useful. For our students. Great. So I usually do a speed question round with all of my interviewees. Um, and I thought it'd be fun to do a really brief one since we've talked about so much. So are you ready? Yeah. All right. So first question is, what is your favorite class at MIT and why? I'll have to say it's uh, advanced uh, data structures taught by Eric Demain. And the reason is because uh, it was a flipped uh, classroom um, class. So pretty much we were given the lectures to watch for homework. And then when we went to class, we just solved problems. It was really engaging for me because uh, I really liked uh, data structures. And uh, it really occupied a lot of my time. Um, and because of, because of the structure of the class, it was really inspiring to me to, even con to continue studying data structures. Great. And who was your closest mentor at MIT and how did you meet them? I would say it's uh, Kevin Ellis. He's a PhD student uh, under Joshua Tenenbaum uh, in Joshua Tenenbaum's lab, and he was my first mentor, whom I worked uh, closely on program synthesis. And I met him uh, through another friend of mine, who I also knew because of uh, because of our co common interest in program synthesis. And uh, I did a, a independent study with him, where uh, my my project was to. Use his uh, existing program synthesis framework to uh, add a new, uh, add a new like uh, program synthesis domain domain to it. Interesting. What what exactly is program synthesis? It's a subfield of artificial intelligence where you're given a couple of examples and you're trying to synthesize a program for for solving those uh, examples. For example, in uh, contrary to how machine learning is done where you're just trying to learn uh, some form of uh, differentiable model, like a neural network, but you can't really understand how it's working. With program synthesis, we really want to understand wha what sort of solutions our, our solvers give. And if they're given as programs, then we can fully understand what they mean. And uh, it's not limited only to the domain of like uh, given examples output a program, program that does it. You can also give some form of formal specification in terms of like some mathematical expression, it should be able to solve that mathematical expression. Right now, we can only do this for very limited domains. Uh, but 
there's a lot of really big promise in the field. Wow, that sounds really complicated, <laughs> but very cool. Um, all right, where is your favorite place to do work on campus? I'll say Barker Library. So okay. if, if you know <laughs> this, uh, if you know the iconic picture of MIT, it's mm -hmm. actually the dome. Under the dome at MIT, there's uh, a library, and this is called Barker Library. And it's really nice uh, inside when you enter. There are like these geometric shapes on the ceiling. It's really quiet in there. It's quiet, but I really like it because of the symbolism. Because it's actually, you know, if you think about uh, MIT, it's kind of like the skull of MIT. And you're inside the, oh, the skull. So kind know? of like the brain. You're yeah. kind of where the brain is. Yeah, but, but that's just like uh, some symbol symbolism <laughs> that I attach to it. Great. Um, what's your favorite activity to de-stress? So I like walking by the river. Uh, and I also do rock climbing. And I bike. I also doodle. <laughs> um, I dance. One of the classes I'm taking right now is a dance class. And uh, yeah, that's, I would say, those, those couple of things. And last question. What is one piece of advice you'd give to students who are on campus and might want to start their own thing? I would say um, be bold. I think the, and, and really be overly confident. If, if you go in an entrepreneurial venture, uh, chances are is that if you're not the person putting all the effort in and, and the person most like believing in your thing the most, um, it will not succeed. And in order to counter that, you really need to be overly confident. Um, of course, be cautious, but I would say boldness is the, like the thing that will help you the most in succeeding in entrepreneurship. Awesome. Well, best of luck with all of your upcoming endeavors. And thank you so much for coming on the show today. Hey, thank you for hosting me. You've been listening to Founders Couch on WNBR Cambridge, a show about student entrepreneurs and their intrepid journeys of starting their own things. Now, I hope y'all enjoyed that episode. Thanks again, Clement, for coming on the couch. I'm excited to see where he goes with the School of the Future. To all you listeners, thank you so much for tuning in to this episode. If you've got any feedback, suggestions, questions, or existential thoughts, write me at cwat at mit.edu. Lastly, wherever you're listening, please make sure to subscribe, rate, and review. We're also on Spotify and iTunes. Next episode, Catherine will be talking to another student founder at Stanford. Make sure to tune in to hear about another amazing entrepreneurial journey. I'm Chelsea Watanabe, and you've been listening to The Founder's Couch. Catch you next time, and see y'all soon. <laughs>